Do you get it, Tom? That's a terrible, terrible, terrible name. Get gone. Get gone with you. Oh, this is, this is just awful. What have I signed up for? I was actually looking up why Git was named Git. Do you know? I can't even remember. No. It is the just the, the meaning of Git. It's not an initialism. <laughs> it doesn't stand for anything. No, no, no. I thought it stood for something. <laughs> but it, it, it just means what Git means. An unpleasant or contemptible person. I think that's quite a good name for it. <laughs> it sounds like you've been uh, having some experiences with Git then. Yes. I um, As I foray further into the working world of tech i uh it's something i guess you can't avoid maybe not git but version control and uh has been uh definitely biting me a few times it's probably worth mentioning at this point like what we mean by version control and what git is because i imagine we have a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are well if they're just learning they maybe they've only ever worked by themselves only ever worked independently um so yeah. may not have come across source control that is why the, the sub-question is, what is version control, source control? I guess there's multiple names for it. Um, the most common one is Git, but it's just, it's a way of, it's a very, uh, it's a complex save, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really, really complex way of saving your work as you go along. Yeah, I think the best advert for it, certainly coming from the world of um, design, the best, like, aha moment I had was when I realized it was a way to replace the ridiculous file naming structures that I had for versions of things like uh, project one underscore final underscore final final underscore really final underscore last one <laughs> underscore version two. Oh yeah I had plenty of those in my uh, teaching career as well <laughs> I w- we'd be looking back at files and it would just say like you just said final real this one and you just at what point do you know what you're looking for but that's where version control comes to the rescue um, it's I don't know how it works behind the scenes, but I guess it just keeps copies of... It's like um, it's a bit like any piece of software that kind of auto-saves in the background, except you have to do it really explicitly. Like you'll find somewhere on your computer of like your Word documents, there'll be a file with all your backup saves on it. So there'll be like a really long one with all those complicated uh, names on, maybe not real, but like the date and stuff. But I guess it's a way of doing that behind the scenes more explicitly. Yeah, and I think also what's worth stressing is that the the thing that it saves is the difference between one version of a file and another so diffing and diffs are a big part of git so what it's sort of reference so say you've got a file in a certain state your, your, your code and then you change two line like column 52 of line 30 you change a semicolon into a space or something and you hit save and then you put that into your version control system what your version control system is remembering is the at this line and at this column you made this change you went from this to this at this date and it was you that did it and then it stores all that up into what is called a commit which is where you can you can kind of do all sorts of different changes and it works across uh, projects so you can have um, many files in a folder or in lots of nested folders and you can have that all in one commit and then that commit is that change stored in history. Wow, getting deep into the weeds there, which is good. I don't think so. I think that's just the core mechanic. And that just goes to show the complicated, how complicated it can get. But So what in that sounded complicated then? I just think if you're someone that's not coming from, you've never heard of it before, and you're talking about commits and all that stuff, I don't know. I just, 
boiling it down i'd think i'd want to think about just maybe just one file and working with one file would be the the way i would want to start working uh, start understanding it um as opposed to having to worry about like big projects with lots of different folders and lots of different files i just want to be thinking about one file i make a change in it i do my git uh, i'm going to i'm going to get complicated or not complicated but for someone who doesn't know it you you catch that you say this is it you save it and then you can work on it some more and then you can compare it to the last one yeah and that's the that's another key aspect is that you're explicitly telling it which bits of the file and which changes to commit i mean we I mean, get this out of the way we're going to use the word commit a lot in this conversation because the commit is kind of the i don't know the quantum unit of version control in using git um uh, git is the specific version control system we're talking about commits are the little units within that so when you make a new set you save a new set of changes that's a new commit and when you want to roll back a change you're rolling back to a specific commit so say you want to roll back to a state you've made like spent a whole day making loads of different changes and you just want to like put all your work in the bin because it's terrible and go back to how you were yesterday you find the commit that you made at say five o'clock yesterday evening and you roll back to that commit skipping all the commits in between do you skip them i mean does so you're not rolling you're not saying i want to roll back it's not like pressing undo continually you can target a specific well the, the sha to use another terminology but the little hash number that represents that commit the unique num the unique string that that commit is stored in memory and then it undoes them all doesn't it up until that point yep not not just the one no, but you could. No, I know. This is a problem I came across. We'll talk about this later. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but essentially it's a way of, I guess Git is a bit like what Hoover is to vacuum cleaners. It's just, it's a brand name, essentially. Um, I don't I don't actually know of any other ways of doing source control. Git seems like the one that is like universally accepted. Yeah, there are a few. I know uh, Mercurial is one. I think it was WordPress back in the day. It used to be on SVN was another. Uh, I've only, in my many years of doing this, I've only ever used Git as version control and I've never come across anyone else who's using any other version control system but, but they are they are out there these mythical things um, but you know, I've never used them but that, that's more a function of my perhaps limited experience than it is of the widespreadness of these different mm. systems if if I've ever heard of anyone talk about version control on the internet at any point it just generally talk about Git where I work uses it where you work uses it well I guess all the places you've worked use it um I, yeah, like you say, I've never heard of anyone else do it in all my time learning about tech, really. Um, there's always the, the mandatory, say, there are other options, but generally people go for this one. Sometimes this can be a blessing and a curse. Um, there are a lot of fantastic things that Git does, and version control in particular is, as you can imagine, you've spent ages working on a project. You've you've saved your Git commit. You carry on working on it. You You push your... So pushing is like, say, I want to push my code out into the world um, for people to see. And then there's a massive bug that breaks the whole system and everything breaks. And what would I do in that situation, Tom? Well, it depends. So you said you used the word push there, and that is a very loaded word in this context. Did you mean that in a kind of like you've just copied your code onto a server somewhere and it's now running? That's like the, the bare, like the absolute minimum you can do to get your code into the world. Let's keep it simple. Yes. So in that case, you then work out what your ch the change is that you want to revert. You either then make a new commit or you can revert the specific commit that made that change originally that introduced the bug. Um, but either way, you make the change in your system to get rid of that bug, which could consist of rolling back version versions in um, in your Git 
history. What I was thinking of was in that situation, really a really quick fix if it was a big, massive bug that you couldn't find is you could just go back to the version before and then it will carry on running without that feature in there. Yeah, you just you can yeah. go back, um, and the beauty of it is, and this is where we introduce another term as well, is that it has branches, so you can roll back your master branch, your production server can be running one version of your code, and you and there's a bug in that, and you can roll back to before the bug was introduced and have the stable version of that code running. But on your machine where you're working, you can have multiple versions of it running. You can have different branches of your Git repository and your code that is stored in Git. And you can have the master version that has the bug in it. Or you can have the stable version that's pushed to production. And you can have your version where you're making your changes and trying to fix things. So obviously, um, we're using a, we're throwing a lot of terminology around. And Git is a really broad topic. And there's lots of like different details to learn about it. And I mean, obviously, a podcast is not the best place to do that. So probably what I would suggest doing is... After this podcast, go and explore Git a bit more. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about kind of the overarching ideas and a bit more about why you should use it um, and some issues you can run across using it. Um, but we're, we're probably not going to delve into the, the depths of all the rebasing and what the head is and things like that. What would you say, Tom? Yeah, so it sounds like what you want to have a discussion about now, and we should be clear that this is you've been experiencing get in the real world for the first time so this is why we're talking about this now on this podcast um so let's leave the specifics the mechanics of it out of the way yeah yeah so we've kind of explained roughly what it is it's version control it's a way of saving your files so you can go back to certain saves later essentially mm. in a nutshell would you say Yes, a very very condensed nutshell. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this conversation pans out because it's such a complica- complex tool and so many of the benefits and the issues that you encounter that I think are wider than just the code, the kind of the social aspects, the social aspects and the the reasons for using it and the reasons for maybe like being cautious with it. Or a lot of that is tied to the technical implementation. So I'll be interested to see how this conversation pans out if we're trying to avoid the mechanics. <laughs> I don't think we'll avoid all the mechanics, but I don't think we need to go like step by step explaining what each part is. Hmm. I think maybe, like maybe the next thing to talk about is that you. I get I get the distinct impression that you are feeling. I don't know if overwhelmed is the right word, but there's a lot of terminology. There's a lot of nitty gritty technical details that you're maybe having some frustrations with. You've got. I think I feel like you've got some something in you that you need to get out about version control. What what is it? Come on. <laughs> That's probably why I wanted to do this, isn't it? Essentially, at work, I was, most of my time has been spent dealing with issues that I've caused in Git because it's so complicated. <laughs> and I've not spent most of the time coding. I spent most of the time looking like I'm doing a really loads of work, but I'm actually like messed up my whole It's very easy to mess up your set of saves. Uh, as I've discovered. Um, and then you have lots of different saves. Luckily, you can kind of give them a name, but all these different saves and then they end up in a different order. And then there's lots of other people that have done their saves and I've got to incorporate their saves into my can saves. We please, can we please say commit instead of save in this context? I mean, I know it's technical language, but this is just get, my mind is being blown here. Save is, is commit. Yeah. So I've got, to get, I've got to get other people's commits to merge with my commits. So then that involves kind of, the, that, that then changes the files so then I've got to go through these files and then it's added all loads of like arrows in and work it out so yes I've just been a bit stressed 
about it. There we go. We've got to the truth of the matter. Yes, Git is complicated. Git is hard. If it's any consolation, everybody goes through this, as far as I can tell. I don't know any developer who hasn't got some horrific stories about rebases gone wrong or detached heads and, and yeah, just merge conflicts galore. There's Even all... sounds bad. Your, your head's detached. <laughs> It doesn't sound like a, it sounds bad, doesn't it? There was a there was an interesting discussion about Git on the Cornwall Geek Slack channel recently, and one of the things, one of the the topics that was brought up is the fact that it's actually quite a clunkily designed like system. There's, there are a lot of things around it. Like there's the idea of checking out, and that means two things in two different contexts. And there are like nasty edges to this interface that um, uh, mean there a lot of people do struggle with it, and it's not uncommon. It's not held up as a fantastic piece of software in many in many scenarios. Yeah, I guess not held up in term as a fantastic piece of software in terms of usability, but I guess in terms of what it what it does, it, it is actually it, it's good at what it does. It's a tool. It's it's got rough edges, but it's a it's kind of like a power users tool, I guess, where you wouldn't expect it necessarily to be all the design to be the nicest that you've seen. And I know that's it's normally an argument that I come down on the other side of. Um, I normally um, I rail against bad design in this kind of scenario, like things that are put together by developers and are like in, almost intentionally hostile. I think Git has reached the point where it's just everybody uses it, so you've got to learn it. And there's almost I've, I think I've reached the Stockholm syndrome point now, where I've uh, I've kind of I've kind of fallen in love with it because I've spent all this time learning it. I know how to do. I've I've been through the. I've, you haven't seen what I've seen, man. I've gone through a lot <laughs> to get this Git knowledge. So now I'm going to make sure I bloody well use it. Well, that's that's why we're calling you a veteran developer, isn't it? Veteran when it comes to Git feels like a probably quite an accurate term. So what I'm really worried about is 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 using Git going to get easier for me in the future, or am I going to be ripping my hair out every week in a year's time? Because I'm still having, uh, I've still got a detached head. I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is, yeah, you learn it, it gets easier because you're doing it every day. The muscle memory gets so good, it becomes such an easy part of your process. Whichever route you go down, which we'll come to in a moment, there's different ways of tackling Git as a problem, generally speaking. But whichever coping strategy you adopt, it does get easier. Almost every day, you experience the like the value of using it. The more the more familiar you get with it the more your team uses it and the more complicated the things that you are doing just generally the, like, the more complicated software you're doing the more you're going to rely on having such a robust and useful tool as git at your fingertips and you're going to so the benefits get bigger your comfort level with it will improve but there will still probably be a time once every couple of months or every half year when it just drives you absolutely mad <laughs> um, and you spend an afternoon just fighting git fires and resolving things and undoing some kind of horrible mess generally you have to have done something stupid to get into that position it's not normal procedure i think that's that was my problem <laughs> i think i was making <laughs> a lot of errors i've kind of i've slowed down with my git now and i think you've just got to be really careful about the way you use it in the first place and then it's not that complicated but if you go in like a, a bull in a china shop that's when the issues occur and that's when you're going to have to start like going back and undoing the bad things that you've done. So I've slowed down a bit and that has uh, reduced some of the errors, if not all of them. Um, yeah, so that is what I would suggest to people. Slow down when you're using Git, especially when you're learning it. Don't just try and don't Git commit all over the place. Really think about, right, what am I committing? Do I need to commit it right now? 
because I had to go back and delete a commit that was about 20 commits old. And uh, that was a little bit tricky and ended up with some issues. Yeah, I wonder maybe if a better, I would almost give the opposite advice and say, keep committing regularly. Get into the habit of a commit is a single unit of work. It's like it is the meme of coding. It's like a single little, the most tiny organic block of code or an idea, a thought almost. Um, and you shouldn't, I mean, what where you get into trouble is when you start mixing things. So you've, you've been working on five or th- five or six different things at once and you put that all in one commit. That's generally going to lead to trouble later down the line. But also maybe think in terms of forward motion when you're first getting started. Maybe don't worry so much about rolling back or having to go back and undo something that you did 20 commits ago by deleting that commit you can do that i mean that's the power of the system when you get familiar with it but when you're just learning maybe just undo that change manually in a file and make a new commit that is a the new commit is reverting that change um don't get too hung up over the complicated it where, where it gets hard is when you start doing unusual things rather than just saving keeping that as a record saving keeping that as a record and then i mean like the next step from that is you've got two different people working on it and each saving as a record and then at some point you've got to merge them together and that's fine that has some complications like particularly if you've been working on the same file or the same line of a file you get conflicts merge conflicts and you have to resolve those um but that is like the mind space of that is manageable i think that's like an early thing to learn and I think as someone who is, if you are out there learning to code, you're not working at a company yet. And this is what was really useful for me um, is just having familiarity with it. So just knowing knowing what a commit is, knowing how to do a commit, knowing what the pull request is, all these things. So that when I got to work, even though I've never worked in a company before, when someone came up to me and said, can you, can you make a pull request for this? I know what to do. It's not that, it's not these aren't words that I'm hearing for the first time and when you start a new job I think we said this last week or maybe the week before there are a lot of words and a lot of people saying things to you so it's that as much kind of this is something you're going to come across so make sure that you've got a bit of knowledge around it before you enter the workplace yeah every single bit of buzzword that you know a little bit about beforehand is less on the spot learning you have to do when you start in an office if, like, if you're just even if it's just a tiny little bit of information about everything uh, that's a really good seed to build build from whereas if it's completely new and you don't even have any idea what the context these new words are, that are being thrown at you are in it's mad whereas if you kind of ask uh, even if all you've ever done is use git as if it's hitting save on your computer and it's a normal save system if that's all you've ever done at least you know what a commit is you know that git is a thing about version control um, so that when people come up and say oh can you make a pull request on this and can you revert that and can you rebase this and can you resolve those merge conflicts um, then you know where to be looking to work out what those words mean and what those things you maybe haven't come across before are um, so it is useful to learn even if you're by yourself but where it comes into its own is when you're working in a team environment because it is a tool that is almost essential for code collaboration. That's why it's so ubiquitous. It's why it's everywhere. It's because it it enables collaborating on a code project. What seemed like a really steep learning curve for me was kind of the way you use Git because I learned, I did a lot of my learning on the command line. So I'd be in a terminal typing things and that was kind of the way I got used to using Git was just typing in the commands that you want to happen. Um, and there's nothing very 
nothing very visual about it. I know now I've kind of I've worked out a way that I can press the Git LG and it shows me a nice source tree of all the different things going on. But when I was first starting out, kind of everything's kind of hidden away behind the scenes, and I think that kind of that can initially make it quite hard to to like visualize what's going on. Um, I wonder if there's a, a better way or a, or a different way of using Git other than just having to type in the commands. Oh, absolutely, there is, and um, you, the, all the things that you were describing are experiences I had when I was first starting out when I started using Git through a GUI, through a piece of software that put a skin on top of Git and would visualize what was happening. Because I'd learned it on the command line as well. And I very, very quickly found myself completely at sea in a GUI. I found the GUI made things harder. I ended up like, I joined a company where no one knew how to do it in the command line. They'd only ever used source tree was the system we were using at the moment, which I still hate to this day. Um, <laughs> a graphical interface for Git. Um, and it just, oh, I messed everything up. And it would be, inc- and then you'd log it, you'd, you'd get into the command line and you'd look and see what actually was going on. It was completely different to what was being shown in the, uh, the interface. And that was a real mind messer upper for me. I didn't understand what was going on there at all. It took me ages to realize that, no, just trust what you know and stick to the command line. And that was my experience. But I know there are many, many, many other people on the other side of the camp who have, who swear by using a GUI for Git. A lot of that probably comes from where you actually pick up Git in the first place. So if you're, you're kind of the first experience you have of it is on a in a GUI in a graphical user interface and it's all pretty and there's lots of different colors and it shows you where each file is um, visually, then that's probably the way you kind of get used to it in your head. Whereas if you're doing it on the command line, you kind of maybe there's like an extra step there. If you have to visualize it in your head as opposed to just having it on the screen so that you think, oh, yeah, this is the way I'm used to thinking about it. And it sounds like using the source tree GUI that you used, that deals with commits in a different way to what you would normally do on the command line? I, I certainly dealt with like, the abstractions, that you, like, the metaphor that it used, like the visual way of like, structuring things, was just ever so slightly different from my mental model that I had internalized from using it in the command line. Um, and I found that I ended up just getting like, overwhelmed by the fact that there was just too much you could do in the like too many options open to you and it wasn't clear what the happy path was in the GUI whereas on the command line I just know oh, these four commands and that's like 90% of the work done um, whereas you open up and it's like oh how do I even I just want to do I just want to make a commit how do I commit how do I stage how do I unstage um, these different things become a bit more complicated um, because I think I think you're right because I'd already had internalized some kind of mental image like some kind of abstract visualization of what was going on based on my command line usage. And then when that came to be in a GUI, I was using someone else's abstraction, someone else's visualization, and it didn't match. Maybe there's a gap in the market here, Tom, for a really simple, clear visualization of uh, how Git's working. I'm absolutely certain there are some out there. I mean, you can get that, you can get the visual, all the visualization I need, you can get from the command line um, without getting too technical into it. You can get, you get your command line to draw all the pictures, the branches and things for you. But I, all I've said about GUI so far is being a bit down and skeptical about them, but there are some really good ones out there and there are a lot of people that find them very, very useful. And I wonder if maybe you're at the stage where you might benefit from switching to one. I don't want to. <laughs> I I like working in the command line and I think the command line's always going to be there whatever machine you're on. You, I might go to a different machine and then if I don't I suddenly don't have this GUI that I've relied on, then what am I going to do? Am I going to I sit there for ages and download it or just jump on the command line, type in a few commands and I'm done. I think I'm definitely going to persevere with using the command line because like like Vim, isn't it? <laughs> 
it's it's all over the place and it's everywhere that you would want it um when working and developing stuff that's very much the case when you're handling deployment and sort of that that kind of delivery pipeline where you're using git as your deployment tool and you're logging into a server you're logged in headless to a server you don't have you don't have any windowing system you don't have any guis available to you um, and you need to be able to like get in there and push and pull and resolve conflicts and i mean you shouldn't have to on a live production machine but stuff happens you have to troubleshoot every now and again and that's a, that's definitely a scenario where only knowing a gui is going to get in your way and i'm sure there are really good guis for working with git like you said maybe you've not had the best experience with that one um, but maybe that one works really well for someone else but personally i think i'm going to stick with the command line um, when using it and my advice would always be to come even if you take the path of learning a gui to get your head around it and get through that learning curve of like what on earth is going on here what are these concepts how do i put this together if you're really struggling and a gui helps you with that that's great don't be worried about that there's no need for command line snobbery but eventually there kind of is you should learn you should know how to you should know how to do it in the command line so come back when you feel more familiar with the concepts but it depends in the environment most most workplaces have one way of doing things and if what your your way of working with git be it GUI, be it command line, whatever bit of software you're using. If that works and that works in your team scenario, that's all you need. Don't stress about it too much. Yeah. And even if you just know the basics of how to get like a commit out there um, without having to do all the complicated stuff of fixing things, then that's probably, that's probably for, like you said earlier, for 90% of your knowledge, that's probably all you need. I feel like we should also touch maybe quickly on what GitHub is because these these two kind of come up a lot together. Git, GitHub, they're not completely the same thing. Git's kind of what you use on your computer. That's kind of it's not connected to the internet, is it? A lot of people, when I when I even when I first started, I thought, oh, everything I'm doing here is kind of connected to the internet somehow. But that's not the case, is it? No, no. Git just is just it's a tool. It runs on your computer, um, same as anything else. What it does give you is the concept of a repository. So when you're Make, you know, saving your commits, they're being saved into a repo repository, um, and that lives on your computer. But then, as we talked earlier, we mentioned about words like push and pull. Um, you can have, you can copy that to a to a computer somewhere else on the internet, in in the cloud on someone else's computer, and you can then access that from anywhere. So it is a good. It's also good for backing up stuff. So if you've got your stuff in a Git server somewhere, um, then the chances are you've got many many copies of your work on lots of different machines so the internet side of it is very important so github's just a way of storing those files it's basically just hosting your files on the internet uh, in the simplest form yeah yeah this is a thing we'll, we'll provide you with free space to put your stuff on and there are plenty of other alternatives as well there's bitbucket and gitlab and many others as well but so do you think there are any do you think there are any people out there who don't use any source control uh, I think there probably are until suddenly all their servers get wiped and they lose all their work and then they have to retire because no one will hire them again. Um, I think I know there are I know there are a lot of very successful people who, like particularly app developers, people who are making like they're solo creators and they're making one thing just for themselves, and either they don't use Git at all, in which case they're mad, um, or they don't use version control at all, in which case they're mad. Or they, I mean, I know a lot of people get are very successful. Just they just they don't bother with branches. They just have to stick on the master branch, make their commits, don't do anything fancy with it. Like we said, just use it as essentially save like backup points because it's a very efficient and memory efficient and useful way of storing backups. Yeah, just do they just use it like that and release successful apps that get used by millions of people across the world and make them lots of money and are by all all objective measures 
very successful. What I will add is none of them probably work as a team. None of them have multiple people working on their software. And as soon as they do, then Git becomes a much bigger and more important part of their process. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did when I was working on my own little projects, my portfolio things. I didn't have branches or anything like that. I just had, it was just kind of a place to to keep all my files safe, essentially, yeah. from anything bad happening. And there's no reason it needs to be any more than that if you're working by yourself. Um, it has tools that you can use or not use. You don't have to use every tool every day. <laughs> if you're getting work, it's more important that you're getting work done. I mean, make sure it's backed up, make sure it's saved, make sure you can undo your changes if you, you realize you've made a mistake. But really, that's it. Don't overthink it. You should be focusing on the work that you're doing and the actual results you're like the things you're creating. Yeah, and it can be a little bit weird making a pull request to yourself that you then approve oh, yeah. yourself. Yeah, you could get it. To, you could you could kind of car, you, cargo cult like oh all the big um, all the big software companies are doing this, so I'm going to do it myself. I've done I've done that before with little things as well. I made like whole like yeah user interface diagrams and all this all this kind of stuff that you you don't need to do if you're just one person working on a really tiny thing. Definitely. But yeah, I would, as a takeaway from this, I would suggest if you are learning to code, even if you're just doing a few little projects here and there, I would say just have a go at using Git. Just see, go and look at the documents. There's loads of great tutorials out there. Um, just Git in it and then you, you'll be on your way. I would also, I'd maybe add that if you're like at the next level above just tinkering for fun and you actually think, oh, this might go somewhere, I might do something, you have to learn Git at this stage. It makes it enables so much. It makes collaboration possible. It makes using open source software, even not 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 contributing to it, but just using it, it makes that so much easier. Um, and yeah, if you can, if you're fluent in just the absolute basics of Git, know how to commit, know how to push, know how to pull from a repo, know how to fork, maybe learn how to make a pull request. Um, but that little tiny toolkit is all you need to be an active member in a software community. Talking of that, talking of making a first pull request, there is a place on GitHub. There's kind of a special repo that is specifically for people just learning Git, where you can go and make a pull request, and then there's like an automatic bot that kind of merges it in, just so that you get the idea of what you're going to do. So we'll pop a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, I think did we cover that slightly when we were talking about open source software as well? Being able to use GitHub and Git is a very essential thing for getting into open source. Yeah, so we probably we did, and because everyone has done it in the past and everyone has to know it there are a lot of resources out there um, most of them really good and there's a lot of infrastructure for taking your first steps and then for taking the more complicated steps and then the more complicated even than that steps there's a whole load of support and tutorials and stuff because everyone like needs to know it at some point so learning it should be as easy as possible yeah definitely It'd be really interesting to hear some feedback from from listeners about this because it is quite, I mean, we've kind of walked that line between going into the weeds of the really specific technicalities, but also talking about the more abstract, if you've never come to it before, this is what it is about kind of side of it. So I'd be really interested to hear where on that spectrum our listeners are sitting, whether they've never used Git before, don't, never even heard of it, or whether they use it all the time and like, why are we even talking about it? It's such a done deal. Um, yeah, it'd be great to hear some feedback from our listeners, especially like in the general direction of where we're going with this podcast. Do we want to make it really kind of simple for people just coming straight into coding? Or are you listening out there and you're thinking, oh, I want you to get into some more technical topics? Do let us know. Yeah, that'd be fascinating to hear. Because I think we're, we're aiming mostly at the people who are learn teaching themselves to code with the idea of getting a job doing it. That's what I've been kind of 
thinking about when we do these episodes specifically because that's been your scenario yeah i mean that, that's why we started it because that's exactly what i'm doing or did yeah i'm a success story yeah. But you're still very much on the start of your journey. So I think we can carry on in that vein because and now we're tailoring perhaps to people who are just starting out in their first job rather than just starting to learn. I don't know. That might be a, an inflection point, perhaps. And it's tech. There's always going to be different topics we can talk about. But do we want to keep it like the simple guide or would you want a more in-depth talk about that? Yeah, let us know. We'd, we'd love to hear. So thanks again for listening. Make sure you're telling all your friends about the podcast so it reaches lots of other people and can help them in their coding journey and make sure you check us out on twitter at aqo code and you can find us on the web at aqoc.dev um, and thanks for listening and we will see you next time goodbye bye